We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 153. I hope everyone had a nice 4th of July, and if you were working like I was on the 5th of July, your day got a lot worse as Dallin Batances melted down once again. The Yankees lost. Scott, I was going into work this morning, and I was hating my life because I just wanted to be back on the beach, but I I realized there's a 1 o'clock game on. Maybe the Yankees will actually win. I'll have something to do, something to distract myself at work this afternoon, other than actually work. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I guess when you get those those five days off and you come back from work into work, then it's it's an extremely hard transition. So you're looking for that little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And the Yankees almost had it. They came back after the Michael Pineda flop, the most uncompetitive POS pitcher on this team. I can't stand him. He put me in the worst mood just by flailing his arms again and just the look on his face. I just I, I'm I'm done with him. I'm absolutely done with him. Then you get everybody coming. Aaron Judge storming back, tying Joe DiMaggio for the 29th home run as a rookie. Like we're we're watching history 
unfold between uh, you know before our eyes, and they come back, they take the lead, and then Dylan Batances, the other guy who can't compete on this team, walks four dudes in a row, and walks in a run after getting some very lucky calls. In all honesty, by the home plate umpire, it was a joke. It was a joke. It was a complete, absolute meltdown. It might have been the worst Batances has ever looked. I, I can't, I mean, four walks in, in a third of an inning, it looks like he has the yips. And if you're a pitcher with the yips, that's certainly a bad thing, I'd say. Well, this is what Batances used to be. I mean, he used to be a guy who couldn't throw the ball over the plate. He corrected that at some point in along his transition from starter to, pit, to uh, reliever and then became dominant. You know, he got the, uh, the, the fastball-curveball combination working beautifully in tandem. And now this dude, for whatever reason can't throw a fastball over the plate it seems like he can throw the the breaking stuff a lot more uh, comfortably but I mean even that is uh is 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 hit or miss I mean when you walk four guys in a row I heard some stat it was like I don't know the exact I don't remember the exact number but it was something like 30 percent of the the last um I don't know last three or four weeks that he's that he's faced he's walked it's like triple the average (laughs) for a major league reliever it's horrible he was having such a good season, too. When Chapman was out, he was really, really lights out. I saw somebody tweeted today that his ERA on like June 9th was 0. .4 or something like that. And now it's all the way up to 3.29. And I know 3.29 doesn't look terrible, but when it goes up almost three runs in less than a month, I mean, he's been horrific. He's probably been the worst, most disappointing relief pitcher the Yankees have had since this losing streak started. And that's saying something considered Tyler Clippard is out there in that bullpen. I was going to say, if Tyler Clippard's not the most disappointing and we got Dylan Batantis, I mean, it's, it's I think, just way more, you know, you could expect it. You have a little bit more of a leash with Clippard because you're like, all right, it's Tyler Clippard. Whereas Batantis, you don't expect this. And when you go in with high he's expectations, an he's an all-star. He even said, I'm, I'm an all-star because they voted last week. Well, you know, if you're going in with these high expectations and you expect a guy to go in and be dominant and finish the games that they're putting the 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 offense is putting this team back in positions to win, it seems like almost every night. And then the the rug just gets pulled out almost every night and they blow it. It's crazy. It's crazy. I've never seen such a dramatic, you know, way to lose so many games in three weeks. The bullpen. It's been they've lost, they've blown so many games late in the in the game, and those it's, are it's the, the crushing. It's the pitching staff, though. It's the pitching staff. It's it's. I know. When you look the at overall. the whole scape, it's the pitching staff. The in, in general, wholeheartedly because you cannot you cannot talk about this stretch without talking about the starters and how how they've failed with CC yesterday. Yeah, I know he's coming off, but you know what? It doesn't matter at this point if he's ready to if he's if he's throwing. You know, he should be ready to go. If Pineda comes back knowing what just happened the day before. He can't he can't get through four innings and I mean, he's just giving up has, balls. It's insane. That dude has no competitive bone in his body, like you no, said. He's he a doesn't. coward. He is a coward. I don't think I said that on air. I was talking. We, we were talking beforehand. <laughs> I was like, he's a coward. He's a freaking coward because he goes out there in a game that this team needs and he needs to compete. He needs to bring everything he's got in this game to win this series. It's an AL East opponent. I mean, what more of a bigger stage do you need? Than, than this this particular game with Toronto who comes stumbling into town by the way they were you know on a bad streak I think they had lost four or five in a row before they even got to the New York and they come and take the series because Panetta gives a just a completely worthless effort 
it, it's you know it's disgusting. If everything doesn't go right for Pineda, he needs to be 100% on for him to have a good day. And even if he's 95%, which most guys, that's enough to, to get them through deep into a ballgame, Pineda will have the one littlest thing go wrong and he absolutely crumbles on the mound. It's extremely frustrating. I don't want to excuse the starting rotation who doesn't go deep into games anymore when I said that the bullpen is really all the games that they've blown. But that's why they're, these are crushing losses, because you didn't expect this team to have back-end bullpen issues. That was the one surefire thing going into this season that we could count on, was that Chapman, Batances, and even Tyler Clippard, and, and Adam Warren, and then they would have a bunch of guys in the middle relief. I mean, you know what middle relief is. It's a crapshoot. But the Yankees were going to have a lockdown bullpen, and their bullpen has already blown more games this season than they did all of last year. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, I mean there's there are, there are just so many components of that bullpen that are that have failed this year. The 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 fact that the um the Chapman comes back can't can't pick up to, you know, the the Aroldis Chapman that we all know and we thought we signed. This guy doesn't really come in and do his job. Batantis is a shell of himself right now. Clippert is who the hell knows what. You know, the the best pitcher in the bullpen right now is Chad Green who also gave up a home run today. Adam Warren comes in and pitches well. Finally, he's back. I don't know, man. The all I know is this. This is the one thing I do know for sure. One, we can this the uh, All Star game needs to come now. The All Star break needs to needs to freaking get here. It needs to hurry up. These games, they need to squeak out some wins because they're gonna get buried before this get, before it happens. Before the break actually happens. Hey, it could be in third place by the All Star break. With, yeah, with the you know we're talking to, um, some we're talking to be talking about and previewing the Milwaukee Brewers series coming up this weekend and they're in first place go you know go look at the the standings in the national league if you haven't done that in a while because yeah the 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 milwaukee brewers who we thought was going to be oh that's a that's a nice little uh nice little vacation on the schedule no they're coming in as the first place milwaukee brewers and uh and ready to pounce they probably want to go into the all-star break on a high note well this team better get their head out of their ass and win a few games or we're gonna be down seven seven back from boston it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility after that Monday game in Anaheim, we keep going back to that Monday game that was June 13th when Aaron Judge hits that opposite field home run in Anaheim, and it looks like the the entire city of, of the Bronx went out to, to Anaheim and was rooting on the Yankees. The Yankees had a four-game lead on Boston at that point, and they're going to be five back if the Red Sox win on Wednesday night. That's nine <laughs> games in the standings in less than a month. Yeah. Uh. Ever since, Chris Carter, ever since Chris Carter dropped that ball from CC Sabathia, yeah. the, the the amount of things that have gone wrong is ridiculous. Say, that's where it all uh, goes back to. It, that game was like the, a turning point. Something happened. There was like a skew in the timeline in that game, and Carter drops the ball with his eyes closed. CC Sabathia comes up with a hamstring. Tyler Clippard forgot how to pitch. Adam Warren goes on the DL. Other, you know, Araldis Chapman comes back and he can't even get out of a six to one ball game on Monday without making us sweat. Everything has gone wrong since that moron bum Chris Carter could not handle a routine throw from Didi Gregorius, and he couldn't do it again over the weekend or whenever that was on Fourth of July, and he got DFA'd again for the second time in two weeks. Thank God. I mean, can we just please? Can we just not have him in the organization? If he even uh, can you, I, I don't know what the is there a rule when you get DFA twice within a certain amount of time because, oh, yeah. um, 
there's no reason he should even be in Triple A. Let's let's just they need to get somebody else. Oh, he's Who, not going to accept. He's not going to accept. Mike Ford, right? Mike, Mike Ford. Ford. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jim Choi. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I really don't. I'm I'm dead serious. I could care less who you are, as long as you're not Chris Carter. Chris Carter. I don't even want him in Scranton. Is going to take his tail and go, uh, t- put it between his legs and go home. He would be. He would have no pride if he accepts his outright to Scranton at this point. I mean. DFA'd twice by the same exact team in a matter of a week and a half. That's really embarrassing. I cannot imagine he would accept a trip to Scranton at this point. At least I well, hope I, not. I just don't think anybody else is, is going to be uh, going after this guy. They should pay Carter some hush money just to keep him out of the organization. They should be like, here, here's a here's 100000 Just go home. Go away. Thank God. He-Man Choi coming up. Big. With a another uh, with a big home run again, getting the getting the Yankees back into it. You're feeling good. The guy coming up to replace Carter, new, uh, the nickname. What was the uh, the John Sterling called it? He man. I tweeted. I didn't even hear Sterling. It just was perfect. <laughs> you just knew it. John it and I a, are on the same exact page. It was G man is a he man. Oh boy. Oh Choi. Oh wow. That's <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a nice little extension. Whenever Sterling can't figure out what to do, he's just like. I'm going to make up a word that rhymes with this guy's last name. Yeah. No, it's good. You know, He-Man, I mean, it's perfect. It really is. It's a it's a good thing. I, I hope he – this guy was a was a, a pretty big prospect at one point with the, the Angels, Angels, I think. Yeah, well, first of all, people were tweeting today, oh, congratulations to G-Man on his first home run in his debut. He played like 50 games with the Angels last year and had like five home runs. A debut with the Yankees. Debut with the Yankees, yeah, but he's been in the major leagues before. It was great. Yeah, no, four hundred fifty-seven yeah, foot bomb to get the Yankees back into the game. It was he was he was the Yankees' tenth first baseman, tenth player, including Brian Mitchell. So really, it's nine to take a grounder in an actual game at first base this season. That is embarrassing. That's that's ridiculous. That's unbelievable. It's, it's that is unbelievable. Looking at what we had going into the season, and if you, I would have I would have called you the most insane person on in the entire face of this planet. If you had told me three months ago that we were going to have our 10th first baseman playing on July 5, July 5th. Yeah. That's crazy. We're halfway through the season and the Yankees have gone through 10 first basemen and no matter who they put out there, can't seem to hit. I know G-Man's only played one game, so we don't know yet, but they have the worst first base production out of any team in major league baseball. And yet it's really not, uh, uh, even one of the top five problems. <laughs> no, the offense, I mean, I know there's a lot of injuries right now, so sometimes the offense comes up lame like it did on Tuesday, but you can't blame the offense for absolute, for this incredible losing streak they've gone on. They came back today. They got the lead. It was Dellen Batances who totally melted down. You can't go out there and just walk people. And Chapman also. I want to talk about Chapman and his the the performance he had on Monday night coming in with a five-run game and he could barely get out of the inning. What is going on with Chapman as well? I don't know, but he's got to change some kind of the, the routine. The amount of sweat that comes off that man's head, and when he walks in, my wife was watching the game with me. She's like, what's wrong with him? Is it really that hot there? It's like, no, it's just he comes in. I don't know what he does to get himself so worked up, or he's just a big sweater. I mean, he always wears that. What, he wears the long neck. sleeve Under Armour. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, dude, I mean, is it? You can't tell with the Under Armour anymore. Is it like a hot, the, one of the hot ones or the cold ones or who knows? But this dude is like just well, sweating his ass off. That can't be good for for coming in and trying to grip a ball he's either. He's used I, to he's used to that Cuban heat. He's uh, he, he can pitch in hundred degree humidity. He needs that. 
Yeah, he's forcing it now. He's like cr- creating his own humidity at this point. Crank up the heater out he's, in the Yankee bullpen. I think I think when we're looking at a guy like Chapman is, you know, he he's one of those guys to me that just needs the repetition. Like if he doesn't get in, he could get very, uh, very spotty because if he is not, we all know that his fastball is the pitch. Yeah, he's the, he's developed that a couple off speed. But, you know, I think what did we talked about this before they even signed him that in three to five, three to four to five years, whatever the, the, the time is when that when the velocity starts dipping on that fastball. He, he doesn't have great secondary pitches. And while he can get away with it now, he's not going to be able to get away with it when that velocity starts dipping. And I think we're seeing that also because he's not locating the fastball, which in essence is taking it away as well. And then he has to rely on some of these other pitches that are just not there. And he's hittable. Then they're sitting on and waiting for a fastball to come into the zone. And every person who's in the major leagues at this point can hit a fastball. It doesn't matter how fast it is. I agree that location is the biggest issue with him. He's not getting as many swings and misses. I think also a factor is that four years ago, five years ago, when he was throwing 105 miles an hour for the Reds, no one else was throwing 100 miles an hour. Now everybody who comes out of the bullpen is throwing 100 miles an hour. Hitters, I think, are a little bit more accustomed to that extremely high fastball. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, you're looking up and down even in college in the minor leagues. you got guys throwing gas. So there's there's no short... Uh, there's no short supply of guys who could throw 100 miles an hour at this point. It seems like every every team has like almost three or four of them that can get it up into triple digits at some point. So you're right. It's uh, it's something that that the players are definitely getting used to seeing. And I I really that's why I think that you know as we move forward and you're looking at how baseball kind of transitions into you know whatever the next phase is, you're you're gonna you're looking at these guys who can hit fastballs at no matter the speed. It's it's more important. It's becoming even more evident that these guys need these secondary pitches to be better because if they can change speeds, if they can locate, that's where they're that's where they're truly dominant. And uh, you know, unless you have a Mariano Rivera cutter in your back pocket that just nobody can figure out, uh, you're in trouble if you have one pitch. Can't you can't compare anybody to Mariano? He's probably the most unique no. pitcher in baseball history. Absolutely. At what point are we getting worried about this Chapman five year deal? I mean, I'm not worried about it yet. You got to see something, I think, longer term well, with this yeah. guy struggling. But it's It'll a matter of being healthy. You got to stay healthy too. I mean, there's a there's a, a few different factors. It's 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 uh, you know competing and and being effective when you're healthy, but staying healthy also, and, and making sure that he is actually in the back and uh, and and being able to be used when we do need him, and then being effective. So I don't know. I think we're going to be grading him on, on different levels. Uh, the first thing he needs to do is stay healthy. So there was some, I guess, good news, positive news that came out today as well, is that Holiday is feeling better. He, They diagnosed the virus, and it's going away. So he said he should be back on Friday. Thankfully, they figured out what it was because that was getting really scary. Um, Holiday's bat back in that lineup at DH will really extend that lineup again because right now they're playing with Didi in the cleanup spot. They're moving Judge up to the number two. They're kind of just shifting things around. So having Holiday back in the in the order will be great. Cashman also said today before the game that Greg Bird is going to have exploratory surgery to figure out why he's still having pain in his ankle. This guy is done for the season. It's amazing that a single fall ball at the end of March is going to derail his entire season. And now two seasons in a row for Greg Bird. That's where we are, though. Yeah, It's derailing his entire career. These injuries are are now... Uh, following him, and they are the biggest shadow over Greg Bird as the player. You know, nobody believes that he can stay healthy at this point, and he's going to have to prove that he actually can. So 
this is not only a, a season or a couple months that we're looking. This is this is potentially uh, the you know this. It was never. It, it had a very slight. This is Kevin Moss like almost. While while he didn't jump off like Kevin Moss did, his season and his career may be as short as that because. You know, he's not going to have it. The Yankees aren't going to wait around for him either. They're going to have to go out and do something, and they're going to have to go out and, you know, address first base in the offseason because it's a glaring, glaring hole on this team moving forward, and there's no possible way that you can eye on Greg Bird for the future of your team. They can't even get some consistent play out of Tyler Austin, who's originally supposed to be the backup first baseman. He goes down with a hamstring injury immediately after getting called up. Yeah. Uh, again, when you're a backup player, you need to stay healthy. <laughs> you need to stay healthy and you need to make sure you take advantage of your opportunities. I mean, this is this is this is also following Tyler Austin. It's the same story. He can't stay healthy either. If you look at his career so far in the minor leagues, he's got he's a, a ton of injuries have have gotten to him. And this one is what it's a soft tissue hamstring thing. Yeah. That's a lingering. That's a problem. That's that's going to stay with you for a long time. And this isn't the first time he's had it either. So to me, that's a that's a big red flag. With the Yankees getting younger, weren't we supposed to have fewer and fewer injuries? It's one yeah, thing for A-Rod to get injured and Mark Teixeira to get injured and all the old guys to get injured. But when you've got a bunch of 24, 25, 26-year-olds out there, we don't expect all these injuries. No. And, you know, it's it's really coming to a head at this point in, in where we are in the, in the season because you're seeing all these guys come up. And while the excitement level is very high with a lot of these guys, you're seeing – Clint Frazier struggle. I mean, he had a great first game, but he has not really. He hasn't done anything after that. You're seeing um, he, Tyler Wade just seems like he's he's kind of overmatched in the major leagues as a hitter. He does not. He has he hasn't had great at bats. Uh, you know, since he also that, hasn't that, those first couple consistently, games consistently though. He, but, well, that's not an excuse because that's what his role is going to be. He's not going to be an everyday player. He's going <clears> to be that guy who has to plug in. So if he can't do that, then where is he? Gonna, where does he fit on this team? Because he's not an everyday guy. He doesn't fit anywhere on this team as an everyday guy. He's a utility guy. There's so been, he, better get, he better get used to that. There's been so many prospects who have been called up over the last two weeks because of injuries. I don't even know what to make of it. We talked to Donnie Collins a couple weeks ago, Scranton beat writer. He said Frazier's probably not ready for the major leagues. The only reason Frazier's in the major leagues is because Dustin Fowler went down. Yeah. So Frazier no, probably needed a little bit more time in AAA. He, he, he hasn't had a hit since his first game, right? Right. He, str- he struggled. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. And, I, you know, this is one of the questions we talked about on Monday was, well, it, you know, are the call-ups detrimental to the the growth of a lot of these young guys? And I still don't think it is. I, I don't think it really affects them it in the long term. long enough yet. I think what it does is it affects it affects the team in the short term is, is the big problem. It, it be, if they're not ready, it affects the team coming up and, you know, they start getting exposed. Um, luckily, Holiday coming back, we have Castro also on the men and coming back, you know, he's I think doing some uh, some rehab stuff on Thursday as well. So, look, we we got guys coming back. The but again, it's not it's not the offense that's that's crushing this team. It's the pitching. And while they are also getting healthier, they need to start producing. They need to start when they do when they get back and they get back into these situations. They start doing their damn job because, like we were talking about, man, if we don't have Dylan Patances and Araldus Chapman in the eighth and the ninth inning or whatever the hell they pitch, and if they're not right, then we're, there's no there's no fixing this this team because you can't win games if you can't close games. I don't know I don't know how else to complain about it or what to say about it when when Betances and Chapman are the ones that are losing these games for you. I can 
I can sit here and scream to the top of my lungs when it's Tyler Clippard or or Jonathan Holder or Chase and Shreve blowing games because there's other guys to go to. There's nope. nobody else to go to when it's Chapman nope. and Batances. Nope. So what That's... do you do? I don't know what to do. I don't know. Joe Girardi doesn't know what to do. There's nothing for him to do. He can All he can do is put the guys that he's had faith in the past, that have the track record, that are brought in to do these jobs, to go in, put them in situations to succeed, and pray to God at this point that they actually come through in that in those moments. I mean, Delano Batanz had a clean inning and then puts three guys on. Boom. Boom. Clean three guys on. Well, yeah, I mean, I think between after that first at bat, I'm not even sure he threw a strike to load the bases. It was, he walked the guys on four on eight pitches. Well, it yeah, was, it was seven straight out of the zone at one point. And that, it was it was a mess. It was a complete mess of a meltdown. We all got excited after the first Two months plus a couple weeks of baseball. We all expected this team to be right there in the playoff hunt. At this rate, they're not going to be. If it, unless it turns around immediately. And it needs to. I don't know. One of those, you know, one of those meetings that you call with get, get kick the coaches out and have a, a come to Jesus moment with the rest of your team. If you something needs to happen. I don't know what the hell does, but something needs to happen. This team needs to get back to having fun when they were a loose bunch, when they were having a good time and winning. Everything was right in the world. When you start losing and nobody's smiling anymore, people are frustrated, people are hurt. You got guys that haven't been in the clubhouse. It seems like a new dude every time is coming in. And while it seems like they're fitting in with personalities, the baseball is not working. And it's obvious. It's very obvious. The guys in the in the bullpen are, are sucking. <laughs> it seems like there's a new dude from AAA now up already. You know, the Scranton shuttle wasn't supposed to come in until later in the season. It's not supposed to happen in June, in July. Well, the Scranton shuttle is good for the 24th or potentially 25th guy on the roster, not roster spots 18 through 25. Right. Big picture, we know the Yankees were not supposed to really compete this year, but they put themselves in a position to, so we all got excited, and now that's making all of these losses absolutely gut-wrenching. So I know we might look back after the season's over and say, Really good step forward for the Yankees. A lot of their prospects started to materialize. And this this team is really building for 2018 and beyond. But right now, this sucks. Let me tell you what the problem is with that theory, though. The problem with this theory that, and I was on board with that beforehand, as was everybody, right? That was what we were kind of setting the expectation to. And the reason we were setting that expectation, that particular scenario, is because that we needed room and time for the young guys to grow. Well, guess what? The young guys are grown up. (laughs) Aaron Judge is an all-world talent. Gary Sanchez is in there still hitting the ball. All the young guys are doing their damn jobs. When you get in, when you look at the problems right now, it's it's Dylan Batantis, the guy that's supposed to be locking down, or all this Chapman's a problem. A lot of these veteran guys, Tanaka, uh, Michael Pineda, the veteran guys are the ones that are a problem. That was not part of the equation for the rebuild. The rebuild is supposed to be for your young guys to have time to go, to come in and get their legs under them, and then these veterans will be able to kind of carry them along as as uh, as they're doing that. And that's just not what's happening right now. The veterans are the ones that are completely shitting the bed, and that's a big problem. So when I'm looking at it backwards, if I'm looking at the end of the season and I'm looking exactly what's happening right now, I'm pissed off. I'm frustrated because the young guys did their job well ahead of schedule. Pineda's not going to have another start before the All-Star game. If he comes out after the All-Star break and shits the bed again, do you think they go to somebody like Chance Adams to take his ro- to take his rotation spot? Yeah, absolutely. 
with I, with the with what's happening with his contract with uh, right. it, you know as long as the if the standings still trend in this direction we're going to have a situation where we're going to have a lot of young guys up and these older guys that just really don't have a future on this team are not going to be put in situations where they need to compete anymore or not compete for Mike in P- Michael Pineda's uh, circumstance and uh, yeah I think they're going to start going young even younger it's it was so funny because the first two months of the season. All of the guys in the rotation, except Tanaka, were going out there and giving you six-plus innings. Four out of five nights, the Yankees were getting really, really good starts from their starters. Their offense was really deep. It was giving them five, six, seven runs a night. They were hitting a ton of home runs, and the bullpen was locked down. I mean, it was easy baseball. Now, Tanaka's actually been pretty consistent his last four or five, I think his four starts in a row that have been solid for him. And the rest of the guys are big question marks. I mean, Montgomery's been pretty consistent. Severino seems like he's one night tremendous, the next night bad. Pineda's been bad for five straight starts. CeCe's injured. They didn't win a single game when Luis Sessa started. So now it's only one out of five that you can count on. The funny thing is, is if you look what happened at CeCe's start on uh, on Tuesday, he goes and he, he, he gives up the, you know, with two outs, he just melts down in that inning. I mean, there were bad things that happened in that inning. And then Luis Sessa comes in and just locks everything down. <laughs> Completely locks it down and just is a, a, a very effective. No pressure, four to, four to nothing ball game at that point. I guess. I don't know. I still think he's got good stuff. And uh, I'm hoping it, it, it eventually turns it around and translates because I do see uh, a good pitcher in the weeds there. The uh, you know, he just needs to eliminate the big the big hits. Uh, I think Severino's in this in a similar boat. Well, Severino has more has more success. I mean, look what happened with Severino last year compared to this year. I mean, we're still looking at a drastic improvement. So, the uh, it's you know it's it's the, it's the old guys, and and thank, thankfully Tanaka has turned around. Look, I'm not saying that this season is lost because because it's not. It's it's a it's a stint that's been freaking awful and way too damn long, way too damn long. I mean, I if you can't if you can't like hear the frustration in our voices at this point, holy shit! I am uh, today was a, a bad day. And it was just a frustrating. I'm, I'm probably more frustrated than I've been in a very long time with this team. And when you see the young guys go out there and do their jobs and Aaron Judge just throughout this entire time. I mean, this guy hasn't had a slump. It's unbelievable what he's done. Tying Joe DiMaggio's rookie record. That's And we're in the, the first week of July. I mean, that by itself is unbelievable. So, look, we're getting to watch this guy hit every day. And that's that's truly something special. So I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. He's having a historic season, and like you said, there's other young guys producing. Him and Sanchez are now in the home run derby. The fact that the Yankees have two two young players in their rookie seasons and second seasons in the home run derby is something I couldn't have even imagined at the beginning of last year, but here we are. Judge is potentially, we've been saying it all season, the most popular player in baseball it's him versus Sanchez in the home run derby. Stanton's going to be in it. That's going to be a really exciting thing. So there, there are still a lot of positives to take from this team. Um, and then there was that whole Logan Morrison thing. I saw you tweeting about it um, yeah. on uh, Tuesday night. Morrison's apparently upset because Gary Sanchez has uh, 13 homers and uh, he has 23 homers and he's not in the home run derby. It's weird that Major League Baseball didn't ask somebody from a town that doesn't care about baseball <laughs> to be in the home run der- why would why would they have not have asked the the Tampa Rays first baseman to be in the home run I just I just don't get that yeah it's like baseball has uh you know a little bit of a higher priority too on people who can who can also try to market themselves and at least 
try when they're on social media and things like that. things that are actually important now with the game of baseball, the business of baseball. They want to put their best foot forward, not guys who are just completely silent. After I after I called him out on the Bronx Pistars Twitter, I'm looking at his uh, Twitter account even more. I'm like, oh, this dude hasn't freaking tweeted in two days. It still says he's a Seattle Mariner. He, he doesn't give a shit. So why why would they why would they care to have Logan Morrison in the home run derby? I mean, this is a an entertainment event. Of course, they're going to put Gary Sanchez, El Kraken from New York, from the New York Yankees in there to go against his boy Judge. I mean, that's must see TV. Isn't Cody Bellinger in it too? I think yeah. I think he's. I mean, this is going to be probably this is going to be one of the most fun derbies, at least the hype going up to it. You know, hopefully it, it can live up to it. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I know I'm going to be locked in to, to see these guys go. And, you know, if we're seeing Stanton and Bellinger against uh, uh, Judge and Gary Sanchez, I mean, come on. How do you get better than that? Yeah, the future of baseball is Judge, Sanchez, Bellinger, Stanton, not Logan Morrison. And I thought Buster only had a really interesting tweet. He said, dating back to last year, 100 games, Gary Sanchez has 33 homers. And over that same span, Logan Morrison has 28 homers. So, if Gary Sanchez didn't miss pretty much all of April, he would have as many homers as Morrison, and this wouldn't even be an issue. I also noticed something today. I was looking up home run distances. Gary Sanchez absolutely pummels the ball. He's averaging over 420 feet per homer. Logan Morrison's hitting just average 390-foot home runs. <laughs> it's just, it's not, I mean, it's it's laughable to think that baseball who's trying to, like you said, market the game would say, yeah, we're yeah. going to pick Logan Morrison over Gary Sanchez. And it, it, he was he was kind of like calling out Gary Sanchez. I mean, maybe he's kind of playing, playing into um, all of the fans' hands and he's trying to play the bad guy here. He's trying to stir the pot to get more interest in the Rays. Maybe that's what he's doing. But whatever it is, I mean, <laughs> I thought Gary Sanchez had a tremendous response. He's like... Hey, I they asked me to do it. I didn't I didn't ask to do the home run derby. Yeah, the Logan Morrison is is uh is just nobody nobody cares about Logan Morrison and I think this guy saw an opportunity to get his name in the paper and people to talk about him and 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 we're doing it. That's fine, but you know what? I think uh, a lot of people now if they hear his name they're they're just going to they're going to see that uh that clown emoji or the or the crying face or they're just going to see this guy as as uh, just kind of a whiner because that's what he sounds like. He's coming across as not a good look. That being said, Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, please don't hurt yourself in the home run derby. Yeah, please don't hurt yourself. I, I, look, that that whole thing is blown out of proportion too. But the uh, Aaron Judge has one of the most. I think they both do actually. Very fluid swings. I mean, they're kind of meant for this type of thing where they really don't have to exert too much. When you look at Cody Bellinger's swing, like that dude puts a lot of torque into that into that swing. There's a lot more action going on, and I feel like he's got to swing a lot harder for for him to get the same result. Um, that's a guy that I could see potentially doing something. But these are young guys. You know what? They need to not worry about that. They need to go out there and have some fun. And uh, and that's what it's meant for. So I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. I really am. Before we get into the Brewers preview, I want to talk about one specific uh, situation from Wednesday's game. It was the bottom of the seventh inning. Tyler Wade leads off with a walk. And Gardner bunts. And I, we all thought it was a sack bunt. But apparently he was trying to bunt for a base hit. And I think that's a terrible decision on Gardner's call. Because he's got... He's got Aaron Judge behind you. So if he doesn't get on with a bunt base hit, it's going to be Tyler Wade at second base. And of course, they're going to intentionally walk Aaron Judge. And that's exactly what they did. He basically took the bat out of the Yankees and baseball's best player. And I I hated that. I do not want anybody bunting in front of Aaron Judge. At the very worst, Gardner strikes out and you've got a guy on first base with Judge up and then they won't pitch around him. Yeah, it's a... It's, it's such an interesting scenario, too, because you got a guy like Wade who you want on the base paths. He's got a lot of speed, but you can't run him there 
because, like you said, you're taking the, the bat out of Judge's hand if Gardner gets out. It's it's a tough scenario. I don't know. Um, I think the whole point, though, the whole point of having Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez back-to-back is they're basically saying, okay, you're going to walk him, then Gary Sanchez is going to punish you. That's that's a, that's essentially why it's there. That's essentially what's happening. Well, he didn't. And I think that's their mindset. <laughs> and he did, and he didn't. Uh, no, he absolutely didn't. It didn't work out. But that's but that's kind of the whole point of of what that is. You know, don't walk Aaron Judge because if you do, Gary Sanchez is going to punish you, and he just hasn't done the punishment. <laughs> well, how about Tyler Wade steals a base? Montero is catching, and that dude just got released from the Cubs because he couldn't throw a base runner out, and then called the pitching staff out. Yeah. See, I think that is the bigger issue. I think that is the the bigger thing. Why not? roll the dice and have Tyler Wade uh, steal second base because he's got a very high percentage chance of doing it. Then bunt, then bunt over if you want to, um, you know, Tyler Wade to third base with Gardner. Because even if you do walk judge at that point, Gary Sanchez has to just get a, a fly ball. So you're, you're putting yourself in a better situation. I don't know. You know, I feel like at this point with, with the games, the way that they're going, you got to start taking some more risks and you got to just get as, as many runs as you possibly can because it's very obvious that they are at a premium. No matter how many you score, they're every. If we score ten runs, every one of those ten runs is a premium because this bullpen is not, you know, is not keeping you in any game. The the the, the starters are not keeping you in games. You got to score as many possible runs as you can. So, I don't know. I, I I think it's a good question. Why Tyler Wade didn't steal the base? I think that's. That's well, that is a Girardi call. Girardi, he, no Tyler doubt. Wade's not going to have a green light at this point. In his oh, career, no doubt. So that's a Girardi call. He needs to have he needs to have the steel sign on. I agree with you. All right. I mean, it's what? <laughs> what do we say? What do know. we say, Scott? I, I don't know. I got nothing. You know. I mean, if you if you if you can't tell the what's happening, all you got to do is listen to the voicemails at the end of every single one of the episodes we have on Monday. It's, you know, and for, for everybody that, that has, hasn't figured this out, I don't edit any of them. We let them fly because, you know what, they're raw, they're emotion, and you're getting that right now. You know, there's just a, 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 such, a such a high level of frustration that I want to go on a freaking uh, tangent right now, to tell you the truth. But if you, don't, if you can't tell the way that this is going and the way that the fan base feels, just listen to the voicemails at the end of every Monday episode because... They don't. Nobody lets back. Nobody holds back, and uh, it's just an ultimate frustration. And if you want to call that voicemail line six four six four eight zero zero three four two, I'm sure there was a lot of people pissed off at Pineda's start and at Betances' uh, meltdown. So please call the voicemail line. It's my favorite part of the Monday episodes. I think many Yankee fans out there probably need a beer, and they need one from the Bronx Banner. Uh, they need a Bronx Banner Ale from the Bronx Brewery. It's kind of the unofficial uh, Bronx Brewery's beer of the Yankees. It's at the stadium in over six sections. You can get it out by the bleachers. You can also go check out their South Bronx-based tasting room before a game or after a game. It's a pretty cool spot for a pregame atmosphere. Um, it's at the bars around the stadium as well. You can also um, They also do a lot of good with, uh, with that beer, Scott. Yeah, the brewery does some good things in New York. 5% of every single case sold of Bronx Banner is donated to the New York Restoration Project, a local nonprofit focused on making the South Bronx greener and more sustainable. Can't think of a better way to support the community and drink some beer. Last thing, I know everybody cannot make it to a Yankee game, but if you do want to drink the Bronx Banner Ale while you're watching the game, here's how you find it. Go to thebronxbrewery.com slash find, select Bronx Banner in the drop down, enter your zip code, 
and you'll get a list of the closest bars and stores that sell Bronx Banner Ale. Coming up, we're going to talk some brewers, and hopefully the Yankees can finally win a series this weekend. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Joining us on the podcast now is Eric Name from ESPN Milwaukee. Eric, what's up? Thanks for doing this. Not a lot. Uh, kind of an exciting time for the Brewers as we get ready for the All-Star break, uh, but thanks for having me. Absolutely. This series, which... Um, kind of projected to be a nothing series at the start of the season. Both the Brewers and the Yankees were in rebuild mode. Turns out it's pretty important for both teams. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think this would have been the expectation, but uh, here we are and it matters and it's kind of fun. It's, you know, I think we're both, we're in two different places at this point. You guys are, are kind of cruising in first place, the NL Central. The Yankees have been in first place for a long time. And then now, as of the last three weeks, have uh, have really opened the floodgates for everything to go wrong. So the Yankees are almost in a, you know, they're, they're really getting to the point where they need to start winning some games uh, so that they don't fall too far behind in the, in the AL East. So it's an interesting, to me, it's a very interesting series for that reason, whereas the Brewers are coming in as the favorite almost coming into uh, into New York. So what's it like with a, with a hot Brewers team, and how did you guys get into first place in the NL Central? What's going on out there? It's been interesting. I, I think the big thing is everyone just kind of keeps thinking, when is this going to stop? Um, and uh, I, I think back to the middle of June when they lose two of three or two of four to Pittsburgh, excuse me, and then two of three to Atlanta, two of three uh, to Cincinnati, and you're thinking, okay, it's there it goes like it, it it's done and they're leading the NL Central got down to like a half game during that time and they just looked out of sorts and now they've won five of six and everything kind of seems back to normal um, as far as how they've done it uh, I think you look at Chase Anderson and Jimmy Nelson those two actually uh, kind of turning around and being I mean, statistically, some of the best pitchers in the National League this year, which uh, no one would have predicted before the season. Uh, Unfortunately, that's been evened out with Zach Davies not being very good and Junior Guerra being injured and then struggling uh, and and them struggling some of those other spots. That's hurt. And then offensively, you just look at what this team can do and – Man, up and down the up and down the roster, they just have guys that are hitting this year. And it obviously started off with an insane April from Eric Thames uh, to start the season. But as we've moved forward, kind of the rest of the team has picked up the slack, and everyone's hitting. And this is just a, a team that continues. Uh, it seems like everything they do just kind of works. Like they pick up Eric Sogard, and he hits. 330 he's got a 440 on base percentage <laughs> like it who would have ever guessed that 31 year old Eric Sogard would come in and do that and it, it just seems like whatever they need just kind of comes through um and you think at some point maybe that magic runs out but it hasn't thus far and I think all of Milwaukee is more than happy to be along for the ride Right, because you were going into the season with the Cubs coming off the World Series and they looked like they were going to win another 100 ball games, and you're just saying, all right, let's continue to rebuild. And like you said, a lot of things have gone right. Um, do you think that it's a lot of the young players taking the next step forward, or is it maybe a fluky sort of thing like with Thames hitting, what was it, 12 home runs, 11 home runs in the first month? I, I think there's some of it. I, I think. I think the big thing when you look at what David Stern is trying to do is just find uh, 
guys that you can manage, guys that you have some skills that you think can play going forward and find those young guys and also then just play the waiver wire as much as you can. And it's funny, I always joke, like, David Stearns treats the waiver wire like most people do in a fantasy league. Like you're trying to find a new guy every week and trying to plug in and see what happens. And some of those things have worked out. And uh, I think it starts with the signing of Thames and then also Travis Shaw. He's been great for the Brewers as well, hitting almost 300 after in the second half of the season, just not getting a, a chance to play in Boston. I think that really helps out. And then you look at some of the young guys for the last month, Orlando RC is hitting almost 400. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a young guy that was a top prospect. He came up last year and he was great defensively, but he, he just didn't have a bat at all last year. Um, and obviously what made him such an exciting prospect was he had the glove, but also there was a chance that maybe there was a little pop in that bat. Uh, and now you're seeing him come through. So um, I, I don't know. It, it's just a, a strange mix because when you look at this roster, I don't know if you're necessarily thinking these are all of the guys they have going forward for the future. Cause uh, I don't think that's how you'd view it with Brett Phillips, uh, Josh Hader now up on the roster for, for the pitching staff, Lewis Brinson. There's a lot of exciting prospects that are still I don't want to say getting blocked because the these guys are playing as well as they are but there's the the prospects that people are excited about still aren't really reaching the majors and being the guys that are contributing so it, it's just kind of this strange place where David Stearns has had a number of those moves hit uh, a number of those and I guess maybe since he takes so many shots maybe it makes sense that some of them go in uh, but it, it's just kind of been a strange thing where it's just kind of all working together and everyone's blending and they just have great chemistry and just uh, the strange thing is it's rare for me to say that a major league baseball team has a lot of fun and this <laughs> team has a ton of fun yeah, I the Yankees it, I were having it. fun, and then they yeah. didn't have fun anymore. <laughs> this is like a tale of two of two podcasts. We so we just recorded the uh, the first half of our show, and and the one of the things that Andrew and I were talking about was how much fun we used to have, how much fun this team was doing, <laughs> the, the amount of chemistry that was going into, and and when you're winning, everybody's happy, and it's just everything is all good in the world, and I, it looks like that's exactly what's going on with the uh, with the Brewers too. But yeah, I mean, I think some of the the hits, the Thames pickup is is uh glaring to us and it's one of those those funny stories because we had your first baseman from mm-hmm. last year on our roster for a long time and he, i think he was the 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 very crux of our frustration for a long time and i know andrew and i hadn't seen this guy i was one of those those guys when they when i heard that they were signing carter for the three million or 3.5 million in the offseason i'm like okay back up this guy hit 40 last year <clears throat> not a bad signing that's that's some good you know, pop off the off the bench, you know, decent glove. And then when I saw him in person for the first time, I was in spring training. Andrew and I were both at a game and we saw this guy swing and saw the way he approached the game and just everything about him. And I couldn't believe that he was a major league player. I really couldn't. The eye test just doesn't compute for me when I look at Chris Carter. And that just tenfolded throughout the season, because to me, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen, uh, you know, play in, in, a, in a Yankee uniform. It was embarrassing. The guy was awful. DFA now twice, thank God, and uh, He-Man Choi is up. You know, thankfully to that we don't have to look at Chris Carter anymore. So, tell me, what was Milwaukee Chris Carter like when he actually did hit 40 home runs? People were legitimately mad that the Brewers didn't bring him back. Like the, every wow. I, everyone in Milwaukee. Again, this is kind of a thing where okay, you 
people in Milwaukee trust David Stearns. There's no doubt about it. They think he's a very smart guy, and they love all the things that he's done thus far. So they do give him a certain amount of leeway. But here it was like, okay, you don't, you barely have to pay anything for this. This guy hit 40 home runs for you last year. And it, 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 it's just funny that it would be so different, so drastically different uh, <clears throat> one year from the next because uh, Carter was, I mean, he's super soft-spoken. And like you said, he's kind of got that long swing. And it, you would think like, okay, maybe this isn't going to work. But, man, when he was in Miller Park, sometimes – I, I always used to tweet out, like, Chris Carter just mashes baseballs. Like, that was it. And, I mean, he would connect and send these things 400-plus feet every single game, and you just be like, man, th- this guy is just a monster, and it just works out. And uh, I don't know. It, it I, I guess maybe there's some of it that in Milwaukee there there's a bit of – a laid back attitude like okay the, the brewers are still trying to get through all of this they're still trying to figure out exactly who they are they're trying to find pieces and one thing that i think has worked out so well is that guys just just get chances here like you're gonna get a chance and you know what if it doesn't work out for the first month that's fine the second month you're gonna you're gonna come around and we saw it earlier this year uh with a number of guys on the roster it didn't end up working out with jonathan vr for the brewers uh he's still been struggling but craig council gave him a a long long leash and he's done it also with Keon broxton and and you've seen him do it with a number of young guys and when they struggled the hope is okay going forward that if we give them enough reps if we give them enough plate appearances if we give them enough confidence we see some tools in them that we like and that's going to work out going forward. And uh, again, I don't want to prescribe, I don't want to subscribe too much to what they're, what they're doing here in Milwaukee uh, because there's also just flat out some luck involved. Um, It might've just not worked out in New York for Chris Carter. I don't know if you've seen some of the, the Carter gifts and videos and stuff (laughs) of him just having his eyes closed when a ball is coming from shortstop (laughs) and it just clanks off of his glove. And I, and to be honest, I think that's what really put the Yankees over the edge and had him. That's why they DFA him twice in a matter of 12 days is because he started to make really horrendous errors at first base. It's one thing to strike out and hit a home run every 20 at bats or whatever he was doing, but it's another thing to absolutely kill your team on the field at first base. I mean, was, but like I've talked to people, we had, um, a, a minor league beat writer on. He said he remembers Carter being actually pretty good at first base. So was he actually pretty good at first base? He was fine. I, I'm, I'm not going to say he was good. I think certainly I thought, okay, he's going to go to the American League. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe he can play some DH and not have to worry about it. I mean, he's just a really big dude. Um, so it, it's it's surprising when you hear that guys like that are good defenders that that they can actually play in the field. And this year, the Brewers their their second string first baseman Jesus Aguiar, like I, I think he's a legitimately good defender. He's like he's really quick on his feet, great reactions, really really nice job just feeling balls, being able to make the throw to second base. Like he does so much stuff good that. To me, I'm like, okay, that's a big dude that can that can really play first base, and I, I never got that feeling about Chris Carter. It's funny, like you said. I think there's a there's a different there's a different atmosphere as far as the uh, the patience. I think there's a lot more patience out in Milwaukee for a guy like Chris Carter. Whereas in New York, you see this guy, and and I mean, if you go into our Twitter feed, just go down the media section and, and take a look at how many eyes closed <laughs> gifts we have in there. There's quite a few. I'm sure you'll get a nice little laugh. But uh, he just, like you said, I don't think personality wise. 
and just the way he he translated. And then he just didn't hit the home runs he was supposed to hit. Yeah. I think if he had if he had doubled the home run production that he that he uh, currently has, you know, we wouldn't be as as frustrated for him. We would we would forgive the bad for the home runs, but you know, the ball was just not leaving the ballpark um, for him. So the, the the frustration level definitely definitely grew. That that makes a ton of sense. Uh, like that was always the saving grace in Milwaukee was okay. He is going to strike out a bunch, but you're going to have those home runs. So one of the guys that actually did hit, like you were talking about earlier, Travis Shaw, the, which which kind of leaves a void for the Red Sox at third base, which we're we're happy about. So thank you for that. Uh, but he's having a, a terrific year now. Does this kind of move the forward process with the Brewers in general? I mean, you guys are you have a shot. It looks like you have a, a good shot with the Cubs. You know, not doing so well. I think most expect the Cubs to, to be there towards the end. Obviously, it'll be a, a competitive division all the way throughout. But is there now pressure to, you know, because you guys do have such a deep uh, farm system, is there pressure to go out and maybe move some of these guys and to take your shot right now? I don't think so. I, I think David Stearns has been asked that, I don't know, any time he's t- ever talked to the media um, this year. Uh, literally every time there's a media availability, that's a question that has to be asked. Like, okay, well, if you're in this in in may if you're in this in june if you're in this in july if you're in this at the trade deadline do you make a move and it's always no we're gonna keep doing what we're doing we have a plan in place and we're gonna stick to that plan and this is kind of what what we've seen going forward is what we've already done and we want to keep getting those contracts that we like we want to keep getting those young players that we like and keep building something sustainable here and that's really been the the thing Stearns has talked about most is okay, we do want to build a championship roster, but we want to build a championship roster year in and year out. Um, and, I mean, in the NL Central, just look at what the Cardinals have done for, I mean, seemingly as long as I've been alive. Yeah, forever. Um, <laughs> and now with the Cubs, you would kind of thought the same thing, that they were set up so well with what their farm system was doing that, okay, if you do truly want to compete in the NL Central, you have to be great every year or you at least have to have a chance that if some things hit right within your organization that you can be right and and go for a championship every single year like the the NL Central just appeared to be stacked going into this year obviously it hasn't played out that way Um, but I don't foresee David Stearns thinking okay this is the time that we have to make a move that being said they have a strong enough farm that they could afford to lose a couple guys and still be probably a top 10 system. Like, I don't even think that's that crazy to say. Like, there's just so much organizational depth, and they've made so many trades where they've gotten some low A arms or something like that where that it's kind of turned out. And um, I think they could make that move. I don't think they will make that move. It's kind of a similar thing that Scott and I have been talking about with the Yankees. Like, you can't have all of your prospects play for your team. You're going to have to eventually nope. trade some of them um, and and pick your spots. So, be interesting to see what the uh, the Brewers do at the deadline. Final question for me: I want to ask you about Ryan Braun because he was such a good player in you know 2009, 2010. I think he won the MVP in one of those years, and then he had the PED scandal, and he was legitimately hated around Major League Baseball for the way he handled that PED scandal. Is he still beloved in Milwaukee, or what? What are the feelings among Brewer fans towards Braun? I think at this point, um, I, I think Brewers fans—I don't want to say feel stuck with him, um, but it, it just seems like there was maybe a chance last year. I know the big rumor was with the Dodgers, and okay, could they work out a trade with them? And I think Puig was a part of it, and I, I think that was everyone's kind of hope. Like, okay, we. 
we've supported Ryan Braun throughout all of this. Like he's still our guy. He's still a great hitter when he plays, and he's still everything that like this franchise was has kind of been about for the last almost a decade at this point. Um, so I, I think people were okay with supporting him and it was fine. Like I, he does, he's not as beloved as he used to be. Um, him and Aaron Rodgers used to be best friends. Like it, he was the guy the in the state McDowell. of Wisconsin. Yeah, it, it really was like they owned a restaurant together in Milwaukee. Like he was everything in the state of Wisconsin. And then all of that came crumbling down. And, and I think now Brewers are probably in a Brewers fans are probably in a spot where they're resigned to the fact that, you know what, Brian Brown's probably going to play here his whole career because uh, they I just don't know if they're going to move him. And I think also the organization believes that there's still some value in his bat. Um, obviously, he's not going to play 162 every year uh, just because he has so many in- injuries. And this year it's been even worse than they could have ever expected. But I do think that Brewers fans are probably just accepting the fact that he's going to be around for probably his whole career. Yeah, I remember that Prince Fielder Ryan Braun combination. They were there at the same time, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean that was that was uh, as lethal a three four combination as you could find in baseball. Well, uh, well, Eric, we thank you for doing this, and hopefully, uh, it'll be a competitive and fun series, and we don't have any more from a Yankees perspective any more bullpen meltdowns this weekend. Thanks a lot for doing this. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.